Okay, are we ready? Let's do this. Um, so uh, this, this, has been, this message has been bugging me, right? It really has. Um, it's been, this message has been one that I've been wrestling with all week. Sometimes, you know, that happens. If you've ever um, preached a sermon or had to deliver something spiritually in front of other people, you know that sometimes that's an opportunity for God to really plow up some soil, you know? And man, it has been that week for me. Uh, this, is, this is a series called Jesus Said What? And it's a look at the real hard sayings of Jesus, the really difficult things that he said. Anybody ever been reading your New Testament and like the red letter and you see something in Jesus and you're like, whoa, what does he mean by that? And it threw you a little bit and you're like, wow, some hard stuff in there. Anybody? Is it just me? Some of you guys too? Okay. Well, this is what we're going to do is we're taking uh, some time out and we're going to do a series. We've been in the, the series actually, and, and it's called Jesus Said What? And somebody says, like, Jesus said, what? And it was, you can say, well, however you want to say it. So, but, but before we begin, I want to pray. Uh, today, I want to tell you that this message is going to take two things from you. Number one, we're going to be in the Word a lot. Is everybody okay with that? If we open up our Bible a lot today, and we're just going to let God's Word speak? Uh, I want to do that in, in the subject. And the second thing is, is hang with me to the end. Hang with me to the end. We're going to walk through some difficult um, truths today. And they're God's truths, and I, I just pray I'm fearless enough to speak those truths to you. Um, you know, my job is not to entertain, uh, and my job is to give you the truth. So with that said, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, take front and center stage today. May every word honor you as the music, the worship, the fellowship. It's all a part of the worship, of the offering at the end. It's all, it's all worship. It's all us taking a little slice of obedience, but a little slice of heaven and existing in the truth and reality of the moment by saying yes to you. That's lordship. We say yes, Jesus. Um, God, we say yes to, the, to this truth today, God. And as we talk about on this day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. God, I pray that that word um, really resonates in us in a way that we could carry it forward. May lives be changed today, God. I really pray that sincerely. In your name we pray, amen. So would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? We're going to turn to Matthew seven twenty one. The words will be on the screen. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Please be seated. Many of us don't like to think about, don't like to talk about, the subject of death. It's, it's not pleasant, right? In fact, sometimes I'll be talking to my wife, we'll be discussing, you know, here's, here's what, I, you know, if anything happens to me, here's how, you know, what you need to do, here's the things you need to, you know. I, I, she doesn't like to hear that. She doesn't like those conversations. And it's understandable for sure. Um, the truth is, though, someday, we're all going to do it. It's all, it's, it's going to happen. We're all going to die. Um, there is a day on that day. We don't know what that day is. For some, it's closer than others. <laughs> but we don't know. We have no idea. Could be tomorrow. Could be decades. 
Hopefully it's decades. But we don't know. There is a day. But the truth is also, in a sense, also, you don't really, you don't really die. You die, but you don't really die. Your physical bodies will cease to exist at some date in the future, unbeknownst to you, but you, as a soul, as a person, as a being, will not cease to exist. You will exist. You will exist eternally somewhere. First, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1 through 3 says, For we know that if our earthly house, a tent, is destroyed, so our body, think of it as a tent, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So there is up in the heavens a house built for us that is eternal. And in fact, we groan in this one. How many of you guys have ever groaned in this body, right? It happens, you know. Some of us right now, you're sitting there going, oh my gosh, Pastor Scott, it's already been 10 minutes and I'm groaning, you know. So you're groaning, and, and uh, what we're longing, it says, in fact, we groan in this one, longing to put our house on our house from heaven. Have you guys ever wished for heaven? Like, you know, I would love to live in heaven, but, you know, I'm in pain on this earth. Since when we were clothed, we will not be found naked. So our, our body will die, but we live on. We are, we are eternal. 2 Corinthians 5, 6 says, Therefore, though we are always confident, look at the person next to you and say, I'm confident. All right, we're confident. Therefore, I'm confident and know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by what? By faith, not by sight, yet we are, again, here's that word confidence. Say, I'm still confident and satisfied to be out of the body and at home, at home with the Lord. So what is our goal? Why do we exist? What is our assignment in these earthly bodies? What is our purpose? So he continues in verse 9. Therefore, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to accumulate a lot of money. Wait, I don't think I got that right. Um, get YouTube famous. Is that right? Did I mess that up? <laughs> How about a record number of likes on an Instagram post with the perfect filter and the killer caption? Is that what we are? Is that our aim? Is that what we are? Our aim is to do no. Our aim is to be pleasing to him. Be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or bad. So there's our goal right there. Our goal is to please Christ. Our goal is to be pleasing to the Lord, to please him. Why? And so why do we need to even to have this conversation? Why do we need to talk about death and eternity and living on forever? What's the point of it? Shouldn't we just focus on this life? Why pay attention to the next life? You know, why don't we just live for today? Why don't we just live for the moment? And, you know, why is our, why is our faith so connected to something that we can't see? We don't, can't experiment with it. We can't understand it. We, we sort of get the shadows of it in Scripture, but we're not, there's no certainty. So why are we even have this conversation? And it's very important that we do because um, what you believe about eternity determines how you live today. What you believe about eternity determines how you live today. If you believe that you're an accident, that you're a random uh, accumulation of molecules and synapses firing in your head, then, then you would um, live for the pleasure of now. 
You would live for just the material purposes of today, knowing that someday you would cease to exist and, and, and just, you know, evaporate and become particles for the stars. You know, somebody tried to, you know, eloquently put it, and I thought, um, wow, that's a real great sense of purpose that someday your atoms just become part of the cosmic universe and the chaos of it all. So, so if you believe you were an accident, you will live for the pleasures of today. But if you believe that you are created by God in the image of a God who is separate from creation, he is outside of creation, he is the creator, you are the created, then um, if you believe that, it will shape how you live today because you will believe that you are made for something eternal, that you are um, the imago dei, you are, uh, in the Im- you are made in the image and the likeness of an eternal, infinite God. And that changes how we live today. So really quickly, I want to go over three things that will happen to you once this life is done. On that day, that day, again, that day we don't know about, but there will be a day. What is going to happen on the day that our life is done? One thing we know from Scripture is, number one, our physical bodies will die. Our physical bodies die. You can say, well, it's kind of obvious. It's been happening. been to a few funerals. I know about that. But Hebrews 9.27 elaborates and says, um, and just as is appointed for people to die once, and after this, judgment. So the point is, is you come from dust, and that you will indeed return to dust, and nothing but dust. So, so there, your physical body that you were born with, your first birth, that is the body that you were given, that you are just, trans, you're just transiting this, this earth, and one day your body will die. Hebrews 9.28 continues, and also, the Messiah, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. And so there's a sense in which, number one, our physical bodies die, but number two, our souls separate from our physical bodies. Our physical bodies stay behind, but our soul continues to live. Uh, there is a, a scripture uh, where Jesus is, is confronting Martha at uh, the scene of Lazarus having died. And so Jesus came to, uh, to, to Martha, and she, he's having a conversation, and he says some very important words in John 11, verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Listen, the one who believes in me, even if he dies, even if he dies, will live. Did you hear that? Will live what happens to a follower of Jesus Christ when they die? What happens to a follower of Jesus, or those of you who know Jesus? Well, the Bible isn't clear on all of the little details, but we do know that the Bible says to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. If you'll recall on the scene of the crucifixion of Jesus, he was crucified between two uh, thieves. One was a penitent thief, and the other was a mocking thief. But to the penitent thief, he said, uh, today, you will be with me in paradise. So we don't know all of the details and how it works out exactly, but we do know that to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. Today, you will be with me in paradise. So on that day, when your physical body dies, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you will be alive with him. You will be with Jesus in paradise. Another thing that we do know in Scripture is that on the other side of that day, and I want you to hear me, church, this is so great, that for the Christian, it's better. It's so much better. 
And this isn't just fancy talk. You know, this isn't just, you know, trying to paint a picture of something to get you to follow Jesus. It is so much better. For the Christian, it's the best news ever that we get to spend our eternity with Jesus Christ. Philippians 1, 20 through 21 says, Paul, I love this because Paul is basically saying, you know what, I'm sticking around because I, I have to, because I got a lot of work to do, there's a lot of ministry to do, but man, I would really love to just be with Jesus. He says, my eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but now, as always, with all boldness, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life, doing the work of the gospel, or by death. For me, living, listen, living is Christ, but to die is gain. The very act of living, I owe my life to Christ, my, my, my goal is Christ, my energy, my effort goes toward Christ for his glory, but if I die, it's better. It's gain. It's so much better. Got to get an amen on that one. It's so much better. So number one, our physical bodies die. Number two, our soul separates from our body. And this next one, boy, you guys, this next one's kind of a hard truth. But I think it's my job not to water stuff down, to give it to you like it is. The third thing that happens is we will all face judgment after we die. Our bodies die our soul separates from our body, and then we face judgment. 1 Peter 1.17 says, And if you address as father the one who judges impartially based on each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in reverence during this time of temporary residence. So the world is not your home. The world is not your home. You are a temporary resident. You are passing through. You are an immigrant in this world, just passing on through, sojourning. You are here for just a short period of time. Do you have any idea how short a time your life really is? Uh, I, somebody said to me, you know what the most significant thing, and this is so, this is so weird, and it's not in my notes, but they said, like, the most significant thing you ever said in church to me was, and I was ready for some, like, really profound thing, you know? It's like, I'll never forget when you said that in a hundred years, every single person in this room is going to be dead. I was like, wow, I said that? First of all, I didn't remember saying it, but apparently I did say it. Anybody remember that? But it's true. Like, even, I mean, except for maybe the smallest baby here. It, it is very true. I mean, like, we're not really talking about the people individually that lived back in 1919. So think about that. We're in, you know, 2019 now, 100 years later, 100 years from now. Um, the people that are in this room are not going to be here. And so life is short. We're sojourners. We make our impact for the kingdom, and then it's eternity. It's eternity afterwards. So there are two judgments in Scripture, and I want to talk about each one. Uh, the first one is the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment. And this one, um, now most scholars, when they study this, they do not believe, and my assessment is that this is true, that the great white throne judgment uh, is for judgment on believers in Jesus. Let's look at it together. Uh, Revelation 20, verse 11 through 12. Then I saw a great white throne <coughs> and one seated on it. Earth and heaven fled from his presence, sorry, and no place was found for them. I also saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. There's a book opened. An, 
a book basically containing the works that everyone has done. Another book was opened in which the book of life and the dead were judged according to their works by what was written in the books. And then verse 15 says, and anyone not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So as believers, we will be there just simply to see if our name is in the book of life. If our name is in the book of life, then we enter into our rest. And if not, judgment for all that do not believe. When you call out in faith to Jesus, I think it's important right now to say this, that your faith is in Jesus Christ, not based upon your works. This is not, we're not talking about a works-based salvation. It's all grace. It's all not merited because of what you do and because of what you've done. The, the grace of God is such that, that he, he wants to give it freely to those who ask. And the question is this, you are not saved by works, but by grace through faith, but is your name in the book? Is it written in the book? The cool thing about it is that the Bible talks in Revelation 3 about the, the book is, your name is written from the foundation of the earth. It's literally, it cannot be blotted out. It's not, there's no eraser so that the name is blotted out. It can't be taken away. There's no whiteout in the book. And so when you get to heaven and your name is in the book, that it's in there and nobody's going to go back then and say, well, wait a second, what about those sins you did, you know, a few years ago? No, no, no. It's, 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 is your name in the book? That's the important thing. But again, if we circle back to where we started, this is what terrifies me so much. It's one of the most sobering set of verses in Scripture. I mean, it's literally rocked me for years. It's shaken me for decades. I mean, it makes me unsettled, uncomfortable. This is a very challenging verse, and let's go back to it, Matthew 7, 21. It's, we read it earlier, and we just want to circle back to it right now because it fits so well in this section. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? And you know, in our world today, it might be like, hey, I went, to, I went to church every now and then in your name. You know, I gave liberally to the guy with the bell, you know, at, at Christmas time. I did that in your name. You know, I, I supported a, a kid in Ethiopia in your name. I, I was nice to people. In fact, I was even better than some of the religious hypocrites in your name. I tried really hard. I did good works in your name. And then the sobering verse that just rocks me to the core is verse 23, when I will announce to them, I never knew you. We aren't in a relationship. You don't know me. You haven't heard my voice. You don't walk with me. You don't really love me. You don't know me. You know, if that's not a verse that will just really wake you up and, and make you look at your life and say, do you know Jesus? I mean, a lot of us, like, we've grown up in church and we know a lot about him. I mean, we can talk about methods and we know all the lingo and we know the spiritual, you know, ins and outs. We don't even talk about, like, the deep theology of the Old Testament, New Testament, and, you know, uh, I mean, it, it is, it's all important. But, but the real question is this, is this, do you know him? Do you know Jesus? Do you, do you feel, do you wake up every morning in love with Jesus? Do you know him? The Bible says that he is the great shepherd and the sheep hear his voice. And they know his voice. And they walk with him and they walk toward him and they want to be with him. Do you know him? That's why this is such an incredible 
verse, and it's so sobering because so many people can be actors, even in the church, even doing things in Jesus' name. And Jesus can say, you know what? I, I really don't know you. I hope that you know Jesus. I hope that you're trusting your soul with Jesus and not in Christianity or churchianity. I hope that you're trusting your soul to the salvation which is found by faith in Jesus Christ, not of your own merit, but because of his merit, because he is perfect, because he is righteous, because he is holy, and he made a way for you through him to walk with him, to know him. The second judgment is the judgment seat of Christ. And in this one, Paul is definitely speaking to believers. He's talking to the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians 5, in verse 10. We've already read the verse, but I'm going to go back to it. For we must all appear before what? The judgment seat of Christ, so that each may be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or bad. Now, before we go any further, let me say this. The reason that you, it's so important to understand that this is speaking to believers at the judgment seat of Christ is this is not an issue of your salvation, it's an issue of your reward. You're not being saved by these good works. Here's, here's some background on it. The Greek word in, for judgment seat is the word bema. Bema. Bema comes from sporting events. It's a Greek word. It, it, it means that, so a judge would sit on what's called a bema seat. And, and the judge would give out awards and prizes as, as athletes were crossing the finish line. So the, ba- the Bema seat was not a qualifier. It was not qualifying you for the race. It was after the race, acknowledging that you finished and that you were faithful. So here is the reward. Here's your reward for what you have done. And it's so important to understand that it's not a judgment for your sins. Your sins, past, present, and future, are covered under the cross by the blood of Jesus Christ. If you're trusting Jesus with your soul, your sins are forgiven by Jesus and you are not saved by your works. But, listen, but you are rewarded for your works. Now, so for some of you, that's going to come as a surprise because many of you guys just thought, well, I'm in. Like, I've got it. I've said a prayer. I'm good. I'm covered. You know, I'm just going to coast through this life. I don't need to be generous. I don't need to be that good. I need to be good enough. I need to say a few prayers. I need to talk a certain way. I need to get involved in Chi Alpha. I need to sing on the worship team. I need to, you know, whatever. Like, that's all you got to do. You know what? You got to know Jesus, though. You got to know Jesus. What you do now matters for eternity. And my fear is, is that many of us have got this all wrong. We've been looking at the great white throne judgment going, hey, I'm so glad I'm not headed there, but we are going to sit before God and we're going we're to account for what we've done for the kingdom of God. And, and, and it's so important because what we do now matters for eternity. You are here just for a short amount of time. How you treat people, how you care for the outcast, the poor, the broken, the marginalized, the hurting, the sorrowful, You will be judged by your motives, God, who sees all and knows what you think in private when no one else is looking. He he knows what you watch, what you think about, what what you're interested in. He knows what entertains you. He, He knows that, and everything is going to come out. The words that you speak, how you endure suffering, how you endure suffering. 
what you do with what you have. Are you generous? There is a crown for soul winners, for people that want to expand the kingdom of God, that their heart breaks for the lost. Their heart breaks for people that are separate from God. There is a crown for them. And he will place a crown on your brow. Imagine when life is over, and it was one day it's going to happen, right? We've already talked about that. Your physical body ceases to exist. And all the stuff that you leave behind, your nice TV, your stereo system, your beautiful car, your car payment, you're leaving it behind. Your awesome house, <laughs> you're leaving it behind. All your friends, bye. All your stuff, the money in your retirement account, it's gone. You're leaving it behind. You're going, you're done. Your life is over. And you're gonna stand before Jesus as a follower of Jesus Christ, and you're gonna fall to your knees and he is going to place a crown on your brow. And he's going to say, and I, my prayer is that he says, you haven't wasted your life. Well done, you good and faithful servant. You serve kids every week. Nobody gave you a, a ribbon, a prize, a gold star, anything. But you served every week down in the kids' ministry. You made a difference. Well done. You prayed. I mean, you were the brightest light at your work. No one else would stand up for me, but you did. Nobody else would stand up. Nobody else would acknowledge me, but you acknowledged me before your co-workers. Well done, you good and faithful servant. You made a difference. You were faithful. You did what was right when no one was looking in your business. You never cut corners. You never treated any of your employees wrong. You never abused your power. You were ethical. Well done, you good and faithful servant. You didn't have much at all, but you tithed, you gave, you were generous, with all that you had, you saw it as a gift for me and you gave back. Well done, you good and faithful servant. You shared your faith. I mean, in a difficult situation in America when people don't want to talk about it, you found a way to have spiritual conversations, to open up dialogues with people that would be closed off normally and you were brave, you were incredibly brave. Well done, you good and faithful servant. You confessed me before men. I will confess you before my father. You shared your faith. Well done. You visited me in prison. You comforted me when I was sick. You gave me water when I was thirsty. And you'll be disoriented and be like, what? Wait a second. I don't, I've never been in a prison before. What are you talking about? I don't remember you in prison, Jesus. When did I do? When did I see you in prison? I mean, did I actually give you something to drink? I don't remember that. You'll be disoriented. When did I do that? And he'll say, you did it to the least of these. And you you did it unto me. You are faithful. Your works matter. What you do now matters for eternity. And so what we believe about eternity determines what we do today, how we live today. It, it, it matters. I, and, and this is the part right now where I just feel like, and I struggle, like, how much do I want to share, you know? Um, but where it hits me is this. I have not always been good, especially almost really in the last year, at putting the eternal things front and center the way that I know I should. I mean, I did an evaluation thinking, like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm very much a believer that, like, I'm not going to ask you guys to do something that I'm not willing to do. And, and I'm always, you know, encouraging you guys to, like, you know, 
talk to your neighbors, you know, be, reach out to your friends, be missional, get involved in the community, you know, don't just be in a church community, don't just be in an ivory tower, you know, like spread out into Moscow, into Pullman, like make a difference, and, you know, and, 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 and the truth is, I'm like, I'm with you 100%, but sometimes, man, I, I feel like lately, I'm just not satisfied, you know, I've been a little bit in my pastor game too long, I think, and, I've, and I'm just, I've just become too comfortable, and I just asked God this week, like, God, help me to keep those, those eternal goals front and center that I want to do for the kingdom of God, that, that I want to live an eternity with you. And there's no question that I'm going to live an eternity with you. If you're following Jesus, that, you know, this is as close to hell as you'll ever get. Amen? If you don't know Jesus, this is as close to heaven as you may ever get. But I want to keep the eternal goal front and center in my life. I want to be rocked by this. I, I really, like, I want to invest in the kingdom. What are you investing in with your life? What are you doing with your life for, that matters in the kingdom of God? It's not just drawing a, a breath and a paycheck. That's not what I want. I really don't want that. I think it's vain. I mean, I think it's great to draw a breath and a paycheck, but I, I mean, that's not the purpose of it all overarching purpose is this, not that we live, get a little bit of money, we retire, and then we stop breathing, but that we raise families, and we live in communities, and we live amongst each other in, in spiritual life, and living for and by and through God for all of eternity. Would you join me with me today? I, I really want you to join with me today in praying for God to rock you awake in ways that he never has before. And I believe today could be the beginning of a new life for you. Maybe not new life in Christ, and I pray that if you're considering Jesus and you don't know him, that you would repent of your sins. Repent of your sins. Realize that you are, have, you are a broken, you, you have a broken relationship with God. And you're like, well, my sins aren't that bad. They're bad. Because you see, you're not seeing your sins in light of who God is. Jonathan Edwards said this, that, you know, you can judge how great a sin is by how great the person you're offending against that sin is. And so, I mean, a great example is like, if you pick up a snowball and you throw it at your buddy, it's like no big deal. But when you pick up a snowball, you hit a mailman, that's like a different story. But if you pick up a snowball and you, you hit a police officer, right? It's a different story, right? The sin is greater because of who you're offending. What happens if you throw a snowball and you hit the president? The Secret Service ain't going to like that, right? You're going to probably get arrested. So, so the point is, is like then, then you talk about an infinite God, an infinite God. And, and your, your sin, you're sinning against an infinite God. And therefore, the penalty of your sin is infinite. And so if you don't know Jesus, you have to trust in something, in someone that is perfect, who died, and, who died a perfect death, lived a sinless life, and, and died in your place on the cross for you. And that's where I want you to put your face so that you don't end up at the great white throne not finding your name in the book of life. But for those of us who are following Jesus, here's my charge to you. Don't waste your life. Invest every breath, every moment of your life in doing God's work, God's way. Get on your knees. Repent of your sin. Life is too short to live in sin. Life is too short to live in unrepentant sin. Like, search your heart. Cry out to God. Say, God, make me alive in you. Lord, light me up. I've been dead for too long. 
And he will honor that prayer and he will light you on fire by his Holy Spirit. And with that, let's pray together. Lord, I know I'm not I'm not under any sense of surety that, that everyone in this room that their names are in that, in that book and that's sad to say and I, and I, and I, I just know it's true. Lord, because there's so many that we put on a really good face and we know how to play the game but when we're all alone You don't know us. There's no relationship. And God, for that person, I pray right now that you would buy your spirit in a way that they can't do because they can't reach up to you. You reach down to them. You initiate, Father, in their hearts a love and a desire to follow you, God, that they would become spiritually alive. That, Father, they would seek out someone today, even after the service, to say, I prayed a prayer of repentance. Father, I have sinned. I've fallen short. I have failed you. I've rebelled against you. Please forgive me of my sin. Please restore me to you. And God, if they prayed that prayer, I pray that they would seek out someone in this room to let them know that they prayed that prayer. But for the rest of us, God, those of us who are faithfully serving you, I pray that we would do a deep gut check today by your Holy Spirit, that we would begin to be investing our lives in that which matters, that we can bear fruit for eternity. Because we want to just not just live in eternity with you and settle, but we want the fullness of the reward of the judgment seat of Christ. When we cross that line, we really want to hear those words, well done, you good and faithful servant. Not, oh, you made it in. I don't want to just make it, Lord. I want to make a difference, a lasting impact for your kingdom and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Told you that was going to be a tough one to hear. But it's true. It's all true. I invite the ushers to come forward. We're going to receive our, our tithes and offerings this morning. It's all worship, people. It's all worship. It really is. It's all, all of this. It's all what we do. It's all worship. And we, guess what? When you leave today and you get in your car, in your Cadillac or your Prius or whatever it is, and you turn out on a Jackson, it's still worship. It's still worship. It really is. Heavenly Father, you have given generously to us in so many ways. And it's our act of worship to be givers and receivers of your word. Lord, we just thank you so much for moving this church forward in ways that are unseen. And just thank you so much for the faithfulness of your people in giving in Jesus' name. Offering buckets are going by. Don't forget to drop in those connection cards. Man, I love you guys. I want I I really want to let you to know that. I'm excited to hang out with you today at uh, Kiwanis Park. And uh, so you know what? Google maps that because it, it's not a park I've seen. So I don't know. It, ex it exists somewhere in the city, um, allegedly. So um, if you get there and um, and we're not there, then it's the other park. So, um, are, are we good? Offering buckets are going by. All right, good. And when, the, when, when it's passed by, you go ahead and stand up. Um, I'm excited to, to see you guys later on today. Let me pray one more time for you. Um, 
God, this is a, this is a truth <laughs> that we got to hear. That, Lord, we're not saved by our works. We're saved by grace through faith. And absolutely. But, God, help us to live out good lives for your kingdom and your glory that we might bear fruit for your kingdom and live in our reward in heaven as good and faithful servants. And that's, that's really our prayer. And that's the takeaway today, God, that we would be doers and not just hearers of your word, especially today. 